Now, over the past few weeks, we have been looking at foundations and roots and history of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And didn't start out as a denomination. I mean, A.B. Simpson, our founder, did not decide, well, not so happy with the Presbyterian Church, I'm going to go out and start a new one. <laughs> he didn't have that aim at all. Actually, it started with a heart and a passion for not just missions, but a big tie with the local church, with a missionary on the field. And he gathered together several like-minded pastors from across the denominational spectrum. And a movement began, which eventually evolved into what we now call the denomination of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. And it was Simpson who also affirmed the fourfold gospel of Jesus as our Savior, our Sanctifier, our Healer, and our Coming King. Now, we've previously looked at Jesus as Savior and Sanctifier. Today, we looked at Him as Healer. Now, in his book, The Gospel of Healing, Simpson asserts that we as human beings, we, we have a twofold nature to us that we have the material, which is the flesh, the part of us that is really temporary, and the spiritual, our soul, that part of us that lives forever. But both natures, though, have been equally affected by the fall. And I I hope you know that by the fall we mean what happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And through that disobedience, sin entered into the nature of humanity and became part of who we are. And through that experience, the body was exposed to disease and the soul was corrupted by sin. Now, we say sins in referring to those bad things that we do. That's how I define it with kids. But sin's a word the Bible uses to talk about those bad things we do. But also, sin, singular, refers to that condition of our heart and our soul, that condition of the human nature that is the cause of those bad things. It's what causes us to do those bad things. Remember, um, back in the 70s, Flip Wilson, I say, the devil made me do it. That's not true. Sin made us do it. It's part of who we are as human beings. But Simpson also tells us that the scheme of redemption includes both nature. It wasn't just the spiritual, but it was also the body. It provides for the restoration of the physical being as well as that of the, as the renovation of our spiritual life. <clears throat> now, the message of healing is critical for us to understand because it is intricately, intricately tied in with the other three. You see, the fall in the Garden of Eden introduced sickness, disease, into both the body and the soul. Now, we individually, collectively, we have experienced a whole laundry list of diseases and illnesses, uh, many things that afflict the body, some temporary some permanent, or at least not temporary. Now, there is only one, though, 
that infects the soul, and it's called sin. Now, while some diseases, some diseases, get that out, some diseases are curable and others are not, sin is always terminal. Sin is a cancer on the soul, and it, it will always kill and it will destroy. There's only one treatment for it, sin. Now, with the, the diseases of the body, there, there are treatments. There are medicines that help and things that we can do to fight off diseases. In fact, God created our bodies in such a new, unique way, and I can't ever understand how anybody cannot believe in a creator, that our, he, God created within us a natural ability to fight off many of these diseases. And, but there's, the weak, there are things for sickness of the body, but there's only one treatment for the soul, and that is in the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. But what about the body? Many believers are racked by disease. They suffer terribly and wonder, why can't I get rid of this? Why I ask for healing. Why hasn't God healed me? Now, Simpson reminds us that the cause of disease and suffering are traced back to the fall, to the sinful state of man. And since disease is a result of the fall, it is there that we have got to look for the solution for it to be in the provisions of the redemption. And that, of course, is centered on the cross of Christ. Just as we look to the cross for our salvation and for the healing of our soul, it is at the foot of the cross where we must find that basis for divine healing. In 1 Peter 2.24 we find, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. So in his own body, Jesus has borne the liability for our sin. And our bodies are set free. And Simpson further declares that our healing becomes a great redemption right that we simply claim as our purchased inheritance through the blood of Christ's cross. Just think about that. Our great redemption right that we simply claim through the blood of Christ's cross. Now, there are many scripture passages from which we can infer that God wants us to be healed and to be whole. Both in body and in spirit, He wants us restored to that wholeness in which he has designed us. And there are many examples and testimonies through Scripture that attest to his healing power and his will for us to be whole. Read through the Gospels, and you'll see that Jesus spent much of his time healing the sick. I did a NIV search. I just typed in the word sick. And there were page after page after page after page about sick and sickness. But a lot of them had to do about how God met that sickness, about how it was his will that that sickness not be part of who we are. And when it got into the New Testament, it kept on going about how Jesus was healing the sick. Page after page after page again. 
Man, read through just the Gospels. And you'll see that Jesus spent a great deal of his time healing the sick. Well, what about today? Does God still heal? Now, some would say, well, that was for a time past. That was for the apostolic age, the signs and wonders and, and all that. I don't believe that's true. But we wonder, does God instantly heal? Well, I'd like for us to listen to the testimony of a young lady who's a student at Nyack College, and she experienced a miraculous healing of God. And I hope the technology works a little better for us this hour than it did the first hour. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. My name is Shakia Brinson, and I am a sophomore in Nyack College. I got cerebral palsy by being premature. I weighed one pound and 15 ounces. Because of my premature birth, I had complications. My mother noticed that I wasn't able to hold myself up at a certain age. She said that I wasn't responding, like looking at her. I didn't start walking until I was about two or three. I used to crawl everywhere, and even when I crawled, I used to drag myself. Playing in the playground was difficult because I really couldn't move like the other kids. And we would play tag, and I always used to get caught, you know. So, um, yeah. I didn't like to be around people. I love people, but I didn't like to walk in front of people. And if I was to walk in a room, it would be laughter. They could be laughing about something else, but I thought it was me. I wasn't mad at God. I wasn't mad at him. I just wanted to know why he made me like that. And then I started to think, well, okay, he made me like this for a reason. So I'm like, I'm going to stop questioning it. But it was still in the back of my mind. Like, Lord, are you going to heal me? Am I going to be 25 with this? You know, will I be able to have children? During November, my freshman year, I attended a healing service, and Ron Wilborn was the speaker. When it comes to healing, when somebody speaks about healing, I'm very sensitive because... You know, that's what I always wanted. My church used to have healing um, lines all the time, and I used to get up and go, and I used to sit back down and sing. So I went, I sat in the middle of Parkinson, and I listened to the sermon. He does an altar call, and people started to move, so I was like, okay, I'm just going to get up and go. And they asked what you wanted prayer for, and I said that, you know, pray for my grandmother because she's sick. I didn't even bother to ask for myself because I figured that, you know, God is not going to heal me, so I'm not even going to ask. So, we prayed for my grandmother. And then Rebecca started praying for me. And Chris came over and he got on his knees and he laid hands on my knees. And they were praying. And I was like, no, I'm okay. I don't want it. I'm okay. I'm okay. But, you know, I was crying in my tissues because that's something that deep down in my heart I really wanted. All of a sudden, they they saw a ship and I I felt it. Like, I felt, my, you know, my back straight, straighten up. And she looked down at Chris. She was like, did you see it? He was like, yeah, I saw it. They told me, okay, now you open your eyes. 
let's walk. And I'm like, no, I don't want to move. And it's like, why? Because I'm scared. They let my hand go, and I stopped in the middle of the aisle, and I felt my back. And when I felt my back, that's when it hit me. Like, I was healed. And I felt my legs, and I had pulled up my pants legs, and I looked at my knees, and they're shaped. And I just started screaming. I couldn't sleep that day. <laughs> when I woke up the next morning, I was still healed. Cause it wasn't a dream. Like, I woke up, I jumped out of bed. I was jumping all over the place, climbing on things, looking in the mirror just to make sure that it was really straight and it was straight. Like, now that I look back, I want to hear it for all the wrong reasons. It wasn't about giving God the glory. It was about, Lord, fix me so I can feel good. So I won't have to hide. So I won't have to be made fun of. Fix me so I'll be able to walk like everybody else and do the things like everybody else. And he's like, no, I don't want to do it like that. I want to do it so my son can get the glory out of it. For people who say that, you know, you can't be healed from cerebral palsy, it's not possible, then they don't understand the power of my God. Because God can do anything. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hand on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. said it came down to realizing it was for his glory that he would do that. And I know that many of you could testify to the healing touch of God in your own life, both miraculously instant or even through process. But I know that many of you here can give testimony today of his power. Now, there have been two particular times in my life where I believe that God intervened with his healing power. The first was back when I was 15 years old. It was the spring of 1968. And I was out mowing grass, and then all of a sudden I was just starting feeling a little weird. Well, I know, you know, 15-year-olds, you know, life's kind of weird anyhow. <laughs> the day was especially weird. And I started started feeling a little bit of a dizziness, and things just weren't right. And before long, I started seeing double of everything. And we went to the doctors and went through a series of, of specialists and it even ended up at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore. And they said, I've got a paralysis of the third cranial nerve, which basically meant this side of my face was paralyzed. And my eye was just simply looking straight forward, which is why I was seeing double. But there was a lot of pain associated with it as well. And went through this for about six weeks and doctors could not give an answer. This is before the days of MRIs and CAT scans and stuff. And so, you know, there's tests and stuff, but there's a lot of guessing. But after about six weeks or so, it just started reversing itself. And by the end of summer, I was back to, quote, normal, <laughs> whatever that was. 
<laughs> well, I know that things are okay by August 10th because that's when I turned 16. And you know what every 16-year-old dreams of. And so I was able to get my driver's license and kind of moved on with life. But four years later, the Vietnam War was still going on, and my draft number, and those of you remember this, you'll understand, my draft number was 25. Yeah, <laughs> got called in for the physical, passed right through it, you know, everything fine. And I was out in the waiting room, and I was just looking at that Air Force recruiter's office, and they called me back in. They said, we want to send you to an ophthalmologist. And they're looking at my history of what had happened four years before. And so they sent me to an ophthalmologist, and he couldn't figure it out, but he put possible manifestation of MS. I mean, he was guessing, but he had to put something. And he stamped it 4F which means I didn't have to go to war. And I didn't appeal it. <laughs> but I know God had a plan for my life. And plan to be doing what I'm doing now, I'm certain. And who knows, maybe he allowed that affliction in 68 to happen so that I would avoid what was going to happen in 72 so that for the rest of my life I could be serving him. The other time was um, just a few years ago. I experienced a herniated disc in my lower back. And if you, some of you I know have suffered that, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Pain, you know, I put you on the floor pain. And so finally they were going to do surgery. And just before the time of the surgery, I went to the doctor for the checkup, and he said, how are you doing? And I said, well, I haven't had any symptoms for the last couple of weeks. And he said, if you don't have symptoms, we don't need to do surgery. And so again, I believe that God had touched me. And, uh, and it it wasn't a, like an instantaneous tingling down my spine, but it, it happened, and I give him the glory. Now, for the last six months, I've been dealing with plantar fasciitis in my foot, and still dealing with that. You know, I've asked God to heal it, but, you know, he's got his plans and his timing, and so I'm leaving it with him and just asking, Lord, that you can get the glory. But there are many Christians today who suffer from illness and disease, and they don't see instant healing results. And they'll ask why. Now, I could spend a good part of the day and probably make a series out of this very topic, trying to address all these issues that are tied up in this. And we're very short on time even today. But we've got to remember, though, that sometimes sickness, Maybe the result of sin or satanic attack or maybe something God allows in order to bring glory to himself or maybe to the building of his kingdom or maybe he's using this as a means of chastisement to get our attention. There are many reasons why we may not see instant healing. But there is one consideration I want us to give some thought to today. Now we know that Nothing we can do can accomplish our salvation. It is all the work of God. No doctor, no church, no pastor, no nothing can take away our sin. I mean, it's there until God takes it away from us when we ask him to. But because of the transformation in our heart, there must necessarily be a change in our lifestyle. God works from the inside out, and the way that we live should reflect 
the transformation that has already taken place on the inside. The work of Christ the Savior and the Sanctifier. Now, since healing is part of the redemptive work of Christ, shouldn't it follow reasoning that we should have the same expectations for our whole being, including the body? Now, we understand how we should take care of our soul. Prayer, feeding on the Word of God, and attending to worship and all that. We know that we're supposed to take care of our soul, but shouldn't it stand a reason that we should have the same attitude for our physical being as well? I think many of the illnesses and the afflictions that we suffer may be self-inflicted. Now, I don't mean to offend, but I'm going to take a few moments and I'm going to meddle. And, of course, what I have to say is generally speaking. But today, obesity is one of the most serious health problems in the United States. Obesity, or being grossly overweight, is a leading, preventable cause of death and many health problems such as heart disease, diabetes, high blood pressure, stroke, and a whole host of other conditions. The website obesity.org states, Obesity is the most prevalent, fatal, chronic, relapsing disorder of the 21st century. Obesity is a leading cause of United States mortality, morbidity, disability, health care utilization, and health care costs. It is likely that the increase in obesity will strain our health care system with millions of additional cases of diabetes, heart disease, and disability. Juvenile obesity is now at epidemic proportions and and the cause of a rise in juvenile diabetes. Sometimes we recognize that obesity is the result of other health problems or conditions that may be going on or even medications that people take. But mainly, it's because we eat too much of the wrong kind of stuff and we don't get enough exercise to burn it off. Now, as a culture, we are fat and we're getting fatter. Now, I can't really point fingers and criticize, which I don't mean to do and I certainly don't mean to condemn because myself, I'm about 20 pounds overweight, which is why I don't have my jacket today. But I am trying to do something about it, believe me. I want, I'd really like to lose that 20 pounds, hopefully by the end of the year. If you want to hold me accountable for that, that's great. I do respond to accountability. When I'm just kind of free-floating, you know, with, a, with good intentions, I don't do so well. But if you want to hold me accountable, be my guest. <laughs> but... Um, As Americans, we are systematically destroying ourselves through the junk that we consume. Fried foods, fatty foods, sweet foods, salty foods, processed foods. It all adds up and it all takes a toll. Now, I'm not saying that we all have to go on a diet I need to. I'm not saying that about all of us. But I am saying that we all have to be careful 
and aware about our dietary choices. Now, nearly, nearly two years ago, I believe as most of you know, I had a heart attack. It was caused by a blocked artery, which was caused by high cholesterol, which was caused mainly by poor food choices on my part. Now, hereditary was also a factor. But my own dietary misbehavior was, I believe, a primary villain in that. Now, I still have severe weaknesses. Weakness for certain flavors of ice cream, some cookies, pizza, and other things. But I do have to consciously think about my body and what I'm putting into it and what I'm doing to it. It is, after all, not just my body, but it is also the temple of the Holy Spirit, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Tobacco use brings on cancer and respiratory illness. Heavy alcohol use will damage the brain and the liver. Now, I could go on and on, but I think you get my point. Many people take better care of their cars than they do their bodies. Is it any wonder then that we suffer illness because that are brought on by these abuses? Now certainly God forgives us of all sin as 1 John reassures us. But he also expects that we will not go on sinning. In the same way, I believe that while there are not really limitations to the healing that God will grant, I wonder what he thinks about how we treat our bodies and then turn around and come to him and ask for him to grant his healing for the illnesses that we have brought on ourselves. Maybe healing can come through a change to how we care for the temple of God. Now, some healing is immediate, some healing is eventual, and some is eternal. God wills that we be healed, but it is His prerogative on how that healing is accomplished. Now, often we'll come to Him asking for healing to find relief from pain or illness, because we want to serve him more or we want to just show how much faith that we have. But I think the only right motivation, as we heard the young lady say, is that whatever brings you glory, Lord, I believe you can with the absence of a firm word to the contrary, that I believe that you will. But the only reason I want to be healed is because I want to bring you glory. If something else will bring you glory, that's okay with me. But it's not about me. It's all about Jesus. Now James instructs us in his letter, chapter 5, Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. 
And that is why after the conclusion of every service, we have elders that are here in the front of the church. And if someone wants to come and ask for anointing and healing, they are here to do that for you just as they will be today at the conclusion of our service. But there's one more thing we should consider as we come before God and asking for His healing power. Am I in Christ? And is He in me? Let's look again at what A.B. Simpson writes on the subject. The order of God's dealing with our souls and bodies is regulated by certain fixed principles. The Bible was written to state them in plain language for the wayfaring man. God works from within outward beginning with our spiritual nature and then diffusing His life and power through our spiritual being. Many persons come to God for healing whose spiritual life is wholly defective and wrong. God does not always refuse healing, but He begins in the depths of the soul. And when the soul is prepared to receive His life, He may begin to heal the body. There is a close relation between the state of the soul and the body. Now the fourfold gospel is not merely a collection of aspects about Jesus. But it is an interrelated statement of who Jesus is. Jesus, Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, Coming King. We cannot really know one without the other. Together, they proclaim that message of restoration. He restores that which was damaged by the fall and, it was, and what was corrupted by the, intro, the introduction of sin into the human nature. Sin destroys both soul and body. But forgiveness and removal of that sin clear the way for wholeness to be restored to our being. Now this morning we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And in that, we're remembering that it was what he accomplished on the cross that brings our healing and restoration. Today, we remember his body broken and his blood poured out to make us whole. As we share together today in that experience, we remember on the cross, he secured the cleansing of our soul healing for our body, the restoration of our whole being. And this morning as we sing together our closing song, take those those moments to reflect on your own life. Has the healing power of Christ been at work in your life? Have you experienced healing in your soul, forgiveness of your sin? Are you in need of healing in your body. And come to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I come to you and I call upon you. In the Christian and Missionary Alliance, this is the Lord's table. It is not a Christian Missionary Alliance table. It is not only for the members of our church, but rather like the altar of God is a a place where we have the opportunity to meet God and to experience Him. 
So today, if you are visiting with us, we want to say to you that the invitation is open to all, to any and to all who call themselves followers of Christ. The invitation is to the Lord's table. Now, there may be circumstances where in your, through your own discernment that you may feel that you're just not ready to receive. And, in fact, the Scripture does admonish us that if our life or spiritual life is just in such a condition that we do not consider ourselves worthy not to participate, but at your own discernment and discretion, then you would be able to let those go by. But otherwise, this is open to all. And this is a wonderful experience that we share together. And we remember through this, how on the night night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and he'd given thanks for it. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and said, take this and eat it. This is my body which is given for you. Take this and eat it in remembrance of me. And then likewise, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and he said, This is my blood of the new covenant, my blood which is poured out for you, for your sins, not for your sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Take this and drink it in remembrance of me. And so today, as we fellowship together, we remember him. And as the elements come by, in keeping with our own custom and tradition, we ask that you would simply hold the elements in your hand until all have been served, and then we can partake together. But use that opportunity to focus on that object, the, 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 the bread or the cup. Focus on what that means and what it means in your own individual life. Reflection, what transformation does this mean for me? And when all are served, then we will protect together.